Okay. Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. Um, it's uh, a little bit of a difficult one this week um, for obvious reasons which we will touch on straight away. Uh, as you can probably imagine, um, there's very little that we can say that uh, can be of, of any positive at this stage. And we are, of course, talking about the uh, incident involving uh, Milano Sala and the disappearance of his plane that was traveling from Nantes to Cardiff. Um, it's been, what, 72 hours now. Um, we still haven't had any news or sightings. I believe the, the search has been called off today. So um, just very briefly, I'd uh, just like to introduce my guests. I have Phil, Rich and Connor with me this evening. Um, I just want to get really just a sentence from all three of you. I, I don't want to linger on this too long because as I said, nothing we can really say will make this any easier for anybody um, connected to Emiliano or indeed Nantes at this stage or, or indeed Cardiff. Um, Rich, I'll start with you. Uh, what's your kind of thoughts, if any, at this stage? Uh, it is just an unbelievable tragedy. Um, you know, you, you read all the all the reports that have come out um, about Salah um, in, in the days since since the incident, and it, it all strikes you as that he was just such a, you know, a really really nice guy, really genuine mm-hmm. guy, hardworking guy. Had got a move that, you know, he was he was really looking forward to. It was the you know the next step up in his career. And it's it's just such a shame that that's that's now not going to happen. So a really huge loss to to football. But you know you, you've seen the outpouring of grief that that Nantes themselves have mm. have had, and it's uh, it's probably testament to the impact that he had as a as a player, but also as a human being at the club. Yeah, I mean everybody seems to be. It's not just uh, you know kind of a a, a box ticking exercise of of giving uh, giving their good wishes. The you saw, um, if you haven't seen, uh, that in Nantes, I think last night, they all gathered in the centre of town. The club, the public, the fans uh, laid yellow tulips to um, kind of commemorate him. He had uh, a career that bounced around a bit. Um, he was at Bordeaux and sent out on loan to Orléans, to Niort, to Caen. But having gone to not, he's been the top scorer for the last three years. He's been a really important player, but he was never the flashy player. He just got on with business. As, as Rich said, seemed like a guy who just kind of put his head down, did what he had to do. And if you've seen Vlad Halilovic's um, kind of post-training press conference he did, where he was in close to or in tears uh, a lot of the time and just said, he was a super guy and nobody had a bad word to say against him. It feels like that shouldn't matter that he was a nice guy of a good footballer because it's just horrible, whatever. But um, it does kind of point up what, what Nantes and what French football, what Argentinian football, what uh, Cardiff have, have lost here. So to, to lose him and the pilot, David Ibbotson, uh, it's just absolute tragedy. Yeah, of course, the pilot shouldn't be forgotten as well. And, and Connor, there was um, a sort of word from you as well that the thing that stuck in my throat a bit was um, obviously the audio message came out, but it was the, the quotes from Valentin Varda, who, um, of course, plays oh. at Bordeaux. Um, he essentially had grew, grown up and, and called Emiliano his, his brother, quote unquote, and 
you know, he said that it was amazed at how they'd sort of worked together to get where they were. And I just thought his words were, were very moving. So uh, anything that, that you can add or, or just sort of feel free to put your sentence across as well? Yeah, well, you know, I can't really add much to what um, what Rich and Phil have gone over. It is, you know, just heartbreaking. There's nothing really you can um, add to that. A player who was just hitting as well, you know, the prime of his career as well. And uh, mm-hmm. as everyone mentioned, um, got the big move that he was after. So um, it's just, just an absolute tragedy. Nothing to, nothing to add to that. No, no, no. Well said. Okay. Um, well, as I say, you know, the... The the um the outpouring will go on, of course, and um we uh we just want to send our condolences to all those involved or anyone listening that may feel that way, or indeed everybody linked to French football. So, uh, yeah, heartbreaking news, and we can only hope that um if the worst news is confirmed, that at least the uh the sort of the issue can be put to rest as best it can for people to grieve. Mm. Right, okay, um, let's move on to some football then. Uh, Phil, I'm going to come to you first of all because uh, we've had quite a bit of Coupe de France. Um, there hasn't been a huge amount of upsets or stories, too much no. anyway. So, well, um, we, we're, we're kind of lucky that we're recording now, having had the early round of games on, on Thursday because we've actually had a, a two-league upset uh, as Vitre, who I weren't expecting to do that well against Lav, beat them 3-0 fairly comprehensively. So that's our biggest upset of the round. Um, we had two other league upsets, one of which were was Qua uh, beating Marignan Gignac on penalties. So that's a fourth-team team fourth tier team through uh but we also had Mets beating Monaco 3-1 but as you pointed out earlier it's not really an upset there are only kind of two places in league terms apart from each other and I'm sure we'll come on to Monaco's situation later we will one other which was actually kind of all in one league but still looks like an upset was Dijon beating Saint-Étienne 6-3 in what was a completely chaotic game uh, yesterday. But we also have the Petit Poussé for the next round will be Bastia, our old friends. Late of Ligue 1 crashed down the table, um, the League Pyramid due to uh, the DNCG and various other issues, who beat Noisy-le-Grand, the other sixth-tier side 2-1 so Bastia who are ostensibly fifth tier but still have Gilles uh, Gioni uh, wearing the armband um, are through and if they play at home you gotta worry (laughs) you gotta worry about going to Fortress Fioriani so yes there's been fewer upsets than last uh, last round but it's still looking pretty interesting still and still fun as it were yes yeah yeah the fun is still with us so that's a that's a good thing absolutely okay um well that was uh sort of the the, the brief overview of, of i suppose the only other thing to mention of course is uh the injury to neymar uh, last night, I think PSG won two 0 over Strasbourg. Um, Neymar's done his fifth metatarsal, apparently, so that could put Again, his participation in doubt. Le Keep dealing with this in typically restrained fashion, with the uh, headline Paris Tremble, which is up there with London has fallen and <laughs> help, we're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what it means, I mean, if you look forward to the game against Manu, they've gotten. They've got Mbappe, they've got Cavani, your big 
worry is the midfield rather than whether Neymar is there or not, which obviously it would help if he was, but if he isn't, seriously. But they appear to have actually bought somebody today. Yes, we might touch on that in the transfer roundup at the end of the pod, actually. So we'll keep that, keep our power ah. dry for the time being. But yes, okay. indeed, that appears to be the case. Um, okay, so let's talk about the, the weekend's action then. Um, Rich, I'm going to come to you first of all, because there was a rather large derby at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> the Rhone derby between St Etienne and Lyon. And once again, there was no Fakir taking shirts off and hanging them up like a washing line this year. But there was very, very late drama. Um, and a rather flat stadium at the end of it. Yeah, it was a it was a really excellent game. It was everything that we've come to expect, I think, from these Rome derbies recently. It's there's there's always something to to leave us talking. Um, perhaps not as uh, as as well, I suppose it could be as dramatic, but certainly Fekir made the headlines last season. But yeah, we had a, a 95th minute winner for Lyon. Musa um, Dembele, terrific header. Um, if you can see it, he, he, he leaps up between, um, I think it's between, um, is it Perrin and Monet Paquet, I think. Paquet, yeah. yeah. is not necessarily the biggest, um, but the, the, the cross from, um, the cross from the, the right wing was absolutely pinpoint. But weirdly enough, he had literally 30 seconds prior to that missed a much easier chance. Yeah. And headed it, headed it over, and you did think, oh, that's you know that that's it. It's going to finish one-one. Um, and unfortunately, for some crazy reason, uh, Saint Etienne failed to clear their lines, passed it straight back to Lyon. Cross goal winner. Simple as simple as that. But it was a game that Saint Etienne, I think, will feel perhaps a little hard done by. Um, was brilliant, was the other night as well. Yeah, well, I, that, yeah. That's the thing is, it was it was it was a game really for the goalkeepers. I think Ruffier and. And Lopez were both terrific. Hmm. Uh, Lopez well, with, a, with a really excellent um, triple save. Yeah. Uh, although the third save was was the, the, the whistle had blown for offside, but it was still a terrific triple save. Um, Ruffier, the one mistake he probably did make was that that failure to clear his lines, which led to the winning goal. So it's unfortunate. And the, the, you saw, you might have seen the images of him after the game, just slumped, slumped in the goal with a look of what has just his, happened. Yeah. His, ex, his expression after the first goal was a picture, and I think possibly his defence are slightly scared of talking to him. Um, Le Keep's poll post-match of who are the tops and flops uh, they're top with 36% of the vote, and that's of like 22,000 votes, was Lopez. Um, and t- their flop of the match, I suspect possibly Santetian fans are in on this, 45% the referee. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't sure about that penalty. I don't know if I'm alone in this. But yeah. I- it's, yeah, it's it's next up was Traore with 24%, but the ref seems to have taken a a lot of heat. It's it's handball by the rules. Yeah, but you know it is, it is pretty harsh to give it. But you know, don't in that position. Don't, you know, Peran is experienced enough to know. Just don't, don't, don't give, give him, him that the, reason. Yeah. yeah, don't go in. You know, you're going in to block a shot. Don't go in raising your although your hands are over your chest. You don't need to. No, just, no. Don't, just hands hands behind the back, hands down by your side, and it's not a penalty, and you come away from from the game with a draw but you know it was pulsating it's it's that's probably the best best word to use to describe these mm-hmm. matches 
Um, and, and yet again, yeah, as we say, we, we come away with a, with a huge talking point. But it was a massive win for Genesio. Wasn't it just, um, yeah. You know, talk he, of... he has been under a lot of pressure lately. There's been a lot um, of talk of Jardim, hasn't there, in the press about that um, <laughs> Olaf's was yeah. yeah. denied. Well, and, uh, yeah, well, he's now being linked with somewhere else, which yeah. we'll you've got to talk about later. Mm. You've got Olas during the week um, sort of saying, you know, oh, yeah, no, think things are going well with, with Bruno, we're fine, but, you know, contract talks are not, you know, we're not ongoing at the minute. We'll deal with all that at the end of the season. Um, Perhaps isn't going to you know it's not necessarily the huge great um, uh, sort of positive statement you want from your president, but Vote of confidence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it was a huge win for Genesio. It will just ease that pressure slightly. He'll still be under pressure because Leon fans seem to want him out regardless of what he does for the club. Um, but it just eases that pressure slightly. But it was a great game to watch as a neutral. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, Connor, you were, I'm guessing you saw this game as well, and you were kind of off the back end, uh, we'll, we'll kind of tie Marseille into this actually if, at the same time, at the wrong end of a last minute um, winner for the Marseille game of midweek. Um, Marseille actually bouncing back to then beat Carr at, uh, at 1-0 at the weekend. What did you, did you make of the Rhone derby in itself and, and what did you think about Marseille's two performances over the, the past week in terms of mm. uh, they they've have a new striker, um, interestingly, <laughs> after all this time. In case you'd heard, not heard. Yes. Um, yeah, well, I think Saint-Étienne, I actually, um, I thought they would nick the game um, before kick-off. Um, just obviously given it was a home tie, the incredible run they're on, I think. Um, obviously, you mentioned Marseille as well and on the form table, Saint-Étienne were even above um, PSG before this match day in the last I think it was five or six games or so uh, Marseille were coincidentally bottom uh, 20th in the last like five games so um, the result in itself uh, Saint-Étienne beating Marseille wasn't a massive surprise but the manner of it um, obviously the fact that uh, Marseille went ahead and it looks like looked like they might be able to hold out but um, I mean Kazri when Kazri's on form, there's no real stopping him. Yeah. And he, he showed that as well. I think he put the cross in, didn't he, for Hamuma for uh, the, yeah. the opener in the, uh, in the derby. And I thought, yeah, Saint-Étienne should feel a bit, um, a bit of grudge not to have uh, at least gotten a point, if not more. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't take your chances, um, you know, Lopez did make some great saves, as mentioned, but some of those chances really should have been put away, um, you know, regardless of the incredible saves. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of it from the Saint-Étienne point of view. Uh, and then Marseille, uh, as you mentioned, um, slowly improving. But I think the kicker for a lot of fans is um, you're 1-0 up away at Caen with your only shot on target and you bring a centre-half on. Um, you know, th- th- this is not, you know, the team that, uh, granted they're not the, you know, the biggest team in France, they're not the second biggest team in France anymore, but the fans still believe it. You need a manager who's going to, you know, go gung-ho and you want to put at least three goals against the 10-man Khan side. But yeah. Yeah. Garcia just doesn't seem to want to do that. I so. contrast that ironically with the Coupe de France uh, uh, match at the weekend where Dijon were, you know, blitzing it against Saint-Étienne. And then um, I think... Uh, Gaultier took off a DM and the left back and brought on two attackers. It's like, well, if you're going to go down, you're going to go down fighting. At least that was a sense of, yeah, we're, we're going to try and get this back. And they, they did get two goals back from that, that position. 
admittedly they lost six three, but you know that showed a degree of intent, and mm. you know we're gonna we're gonna do this in flames if yeah. nothing else. I mean, yeah. On the flip side, some of the defending even before that was diabolical. Oh, God, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, you mentioned Rafia. You can understand why he was a bit livid. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, some yeah. of the look the look on his face um, when he was kind of turning to his defenders was basically. What the fuck was I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Um, but then he did also, you know, mess up by, you know, leaving large spaces uncovered. So it was it was a collective screw up, I yeah. think there. But it was a hilariously entertaining game to watch. And uh, Rich, speaking of massive screw ups, that leads us rather nicely on to uh, a certain team in in the Principality. Um, yeah, where do we begin here? So we start with a 5-1 home defeat by Strasbourg at uh, the weekend, oh. uh, where they were desperate. Um, granted, Ronaldo sending off early in the game probably didn't go down well. They then had Thierry Henry calling um, Kenny Lala's grandmother a, a, a whore, as his quote, not mine. Superb, um, I hadn't heard that. Oh, yes. that's, he's so classy. We also had a, a very nice rant from Thierry about uh, VAR in the post-match press conference, um, to name but a few things. Um, and then they obviously lost to Mets. And then today happened, Rich, um, <laughs> just before we went on air. How uh, can he be mad? Well, lost 5-1. How can <sighs> anybody's grandmother impact that? Well, if this we, is a good question. <laughs> Let's let's if we if we start with let's go through today. There's two events really today. So the first one was his announcement that he'd banished several senior players to the reserves because he only wants players who are interested in in you know the team and keeping now, the team did, up and not furthering their own. Because no James told me earlier, he said um, you'll find out at the weekend. So he didn't actually yeah. name them. I think we no. can probably pick guess names. who they were. Yeah. Oh, I'd imagine. I'd but, imagine so. But yeah, yeah. So, so there was there was there was that announcement, which he made. He he announced it, and then literally probably, I don't know, about half an hour before we came on air, um, there was the Monaco press release that he has been suspended from all duties. And Frank um, Passy is back. Yeah. The so man, the not- man who has been the panic interim at Marseille and Lille. Who's just um, come in, we should add, as an unwanted supervisor. Some, somebody give him a proper fucking job. He's a good manager and does not appear to be, you know, problematic. Well, it's, um, it's what's bad it, for him. It is, it is important to note that technically he's not been sacked. No. Um, yeah. But it's very much like a, a Bielsa. If yeah. we go back to Lille and Bielsa last season, it's like... What I was saying to Rich Whittle on, on Twitter when he said, is this like the French version of gardening leave? I'm like, no, this is the time when your lawyers work out what your liability is, yeah. which is what happened at Lille. Um, that's basically what this is. I mean, if we want to, if we want to analyse, you know, yes, coming off the back of losing 5-1 at home to Strasbourg, going out the cup to a, uh, a team below you, you know, a division below, albeit, you know, flying high in that division, it's not a good look. It really isn't a good look, especially when you're a team in Monaco's position. However, however, um, I suppose there is a few caveats. It's not been an easy job. 
You know, yes, you can blame Henri for taking it in the first place, but he has had to contend with um, a squad that's clearly going backwards you know, prior to him joining. A there's financial a, model a, that's up the swanny. Yeah, there's been an awful lot of injuries. Um, he's made some, however, I don't know how much involvement he's had, but the moves they've made in this transfer window have been positive. I think the players that have brought in are, you know, sound, sound um, players and sound moves to make. Um, and you know what? His rant about VAR had a perfectly valid point because mm. you watch that Naldo red card decision, which was referred to VAR, and you tell me where the foul is, let yeah, alone the yellow card, let alone a red card, yeah. because there just isn't. And the fact it went to VAR and was awarded uh, as a red card to Naldo, seventh minute, you know, of course Monaco were going to be up against it. Strasbourg themselves are in terrific form. Um, it shouldn't be a 5-1 home defeat. Of course it shouldn't. But I think there was a lot of people very quick to put the blame on Henri, put the blame on mm. Monaco, um, and not enough blame on, first of all, VAR for that dreadful decision. And second of all, just what a good team Strasbourg are. Yeah, Strasbourg are a very effective team. Just looking at the numbers, because I did the um, preview for the cup game against PSG they are they've got the second best goal scored in the league but they just don't shoot a lot they are really really efficient they're kind of very single-minded and and calculating uh, and know how to take advantage of an advantage and that's what they did against uh, against Monaco um let me, they're, um, they're really good at this. Let me ask you, Connor, as well on this one uh, to sort of draw a line, because as I say, at this stage, you know, it seems fairly inevitable that, that he will be will be off. Um, from your your perspective, sort of from an outsider looking in, everything that Rich and Phil have said is, is spot on. You know, this was a difficult job to take, but was the, this whole thing of Henri sort of not being able to adjust to players who are clearly miles below his level, um, maybe... Mm. A, dare I say it as an Arsenal fan and I love the man dearly but I get the impression there hasn't been as much class about him as if you look at for example Patrick Vieira or before him Remy Gard in terms of how they've conducted themselves I know Vieira's got anger on a few occasions but in general he's calmed knees down he's got them working in the right way Henri you, you just always felt like he was always angry there was always something wrong there was always one player not doing this there's always one player not doing that is this a culmination of the fact that what I'll call the Gary Neville effect, that sometimes <laughs> a perfectly nice bloke who had a very good career just isn't cut out for management. Uh, that could well be the case. Uh, I think to touch on what you mentioned um, about Vieira, I mean, let's not forget that obviously Balotelli now moving to Marseille, but he had the big issue over over the summer when it you know, was will he, won't he leave. Um, Vieira, you know, basically castigated him more in private. It didn't really seem like he out into the public as much as he could have. I feel like it was kind of, you know, trying to keep things under wraps as much as possible, whereas Omri seems to, you know, kind of like airing his dirty laundry, want to kind of um, not name and shame, but obviously he mentioned that on Saturday he, he would have kind of revealed who the um, who the culprits were. Um, but it looks like, yeah, he, he just seems a bit happier and a 
bit of a different management style where he's a bit happier to kind of overshare with the media, which maybe came back to bite him. And um, obviously, as we mentioned, it seems like a bit of an illogical time to um, suspend and potentially sack him when you've sanctioned uh, the various um, transfers that I'm sure he must have played some part in. So, mm. yes, yeah, uh, it must have been, you know, something either at the press conference or something that we don't know yet. Um, but very much he, he didn't help himself, I don't think, with um, kind of airing everything publicly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they've brought Frank Passy in, who is a guy who does appear to be someone who can possibly deal with the higher-ups by kind of ignoring them and getting on with just coaching. Mm. Uh, but he's got, you know, a match against uh, Dijon at the weekend, which is very important. But then also the Coupe de la Ligue semi-finals are next midweek. Mm. Which, which ironically versus, is the last thing we need. Gangon versus Monaco, 20th versus 19th, is the semi-final of the Coupe de la Ligue on Tuesday. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? It I just mean, seems... If, if only there was a, a former Monaco manager out of work who was available. I mean, Well, well he's already been linked. Yeah. So... I just, I, funny enough, I was just going to say, I just wanted to, to, to leave, with, leave some, with some quotes from a very nice interview, actually, he gave to Le Keep this earlier this week. Um, and one of the things that he's, he's touched upon is that, uh, let me get the quote up here so I do it. This is I, really, I really like Liga, and, that's, uh, and one thing I'm sure of, maybe not 100%, but 80%, that one day I'll come back to Monaco. Hmm. Uh, it might be sooner rather than later. <laughs> thinks, yeah. um, but also, he he did in that interview say that he's still in contact with um, with uh, Vadim Vasilyev, the the vice president. Um, so basically, this is how Serie A does management changes, isn't it? It's Hello. like you, you you're gone in October, you're back in February. Yeah. I mean, it's does look like that's what they're going. Maybe maybe the change in the boardroom would would sort of maybe convince Jardim to maybe come back as well because that was clearly an issue he, he was having well, I, I he was having to sell all those players I mean I don't know if it's necessarily a, a boardroom issue I mean he's clear he clearly gets on very well when he left the club it was very much on a mutual basis he did set he did express to them his frustration that they didn't bring in the right kind of player in the in the summer mm-hmm. uh, but in that same interview he did go on to point out that um, that the, the, the signings that they've made uh, and, and particularly Fabregas and Naldo uh, are, are what they need. Um, so there's still a lot of link there. He still lives in Monaco. His family is still there. Um, you know, he has regular co- regular contact with everybody senior that's still involved with the club. Um, so it's, it, I, th- I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think also we can rule it out. And I'd be amazed if, if Vasilyev or Rabelovlev haven't, had a little chat today, probably, hmm. just to sound him out as to, you know, hmm. you know, look, Leonardo, would you be interested? If we were to do X, would you do Y? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's one to keep an eye on. Um, absolutely. We'll just uh, go through the other results uh, very quickly before we uh, turn our attention to some talk of transfers and whatnot. Uh, we saw Lille continue their excellent season on Friday night, the 2-1 victory over Amiens. And for once, Nicolas Pepe didn't score. Rafael Leao and Sheka with the goals there. Uh, late winner, in fact, in the, in the last five minutes, having Amiens had taken the lead. Um, PSG, just a nine for them over Gangomp. Um <laughs> 
You know, Gangon beat them in the Coupe de la Ligue. Yeah, they really shouldn't have done that, should they? <laughs> don't make them angry. No. Is a thing Patrick Spurkevani and oh. Mbappe. Uh, Neymar with two and Thomas Munier uh, scoring. I did laugh actually at Football Weekly when they said uh, Munier scoring from the bench. Uh, he literally could have probably scored from the bench in this game. Um, <laughs> we also saw Nîmes lose at home to Toulouse. Big three points out for Toulouse. Arsenal legend Yaya Sanogo with the winner there. Um, Ram won, Nice won. Uh, result doesn't really suit either that much, but Nice will take the benefits, I think, with a last-minute uh, penalty from Remy Volta getting the leveller. Uh, Ren Montpellier, nothing to see here in the oh, rich was... derby. Um, yeah, nil-nil. Not, not a classic. Um, and uh, Nantes uh, losing at home to, uh, sorry, losing away to a 90th minute Fulgini goal from Angers. Uh, big three points in that for Angers, who are um, just, just uh, I think it's a much-needed win. They uh, It's their mm. first win in three, so that gets them up to 15th in the table. We mentioned Marseille winning in car. Bordeaux beating Dijon 1-0. Uh, Cornelius with the gold there. Uh, Ruben Amalfitano sent off in that one. And, of course, we said about the Rhone derby. There was a game in this past midweek. I think it was yesterday, in fact. Neem beating Angers. 3-1 so that yeah, we, we, I, I got a message from uh, our friend Thomas who is a Angers fan going at least uh, what was it I think it was at least if uh, you know um, the Coupe de France <laughs> is you know uh, covering up uh, the uh, Saint-Étienne-Dijon situation is covering up the fact that I am watching the worst game I have ever seen <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, he's struggling. Uh, they are not having a great not, season so far. Not at all. No, there's, there's some decent fixtures to look forward to this weekend, though. Uh, Marseille-Lille mm-hmm. on Friday night should be a decent watch. Dijon-Monaco, for obvious reasons now, will be worth a car crash. Um, watching of that one, that, that could be watching three fingers over eyes, possibly. Uh, Strasbourg-Bordeaux sort of leaps off the page at me just in terms um, of... Amiens OL, who are also playing this evening. Tonight, it yeah. seems to be the fixture computer seems to do this, because we had yeah. like... Uh, who is it versus Strasbourg, Bordeaux? Uh, PSG Gangle, as mentioned already. Gal- yes, indeed, yeah. You know, you get back-to-back games. It's kind of cool it's like have your revenge everybody and quite a oh, quite yeah. a big looking game for for Karna at Montpellier as well with obviously mm-hmm. Montpellier having six Karna two straight defeats once again sliding and effortlessly Montpellier down the table not in great form it's been a bit kind of patchy stolid and not that exciting recently I'm I'm slightly concerned I yeah yeah, it almost feels like uh, Liga is still sort of just finding its feet after the, the sort of Christmas mm. period. It just, just feels like we're just starting to, to find its feet once again. But some decent games to look forward to, and I'm sure, Rich, you'll be um, uh, hiding behind the sofa on Sunday. As no, well. no, Ren, Ren are probably... They've got a good record there, actually, haven't they? The the only well thing, they're probably the best record of, of any there. <laughs> Strasbourg have been good recently, but over a long time. I mean, this is at at, at the Parc des Princes. We've Um, won twice probably in the last four Four years. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching one of them and just being utterly bamboozled by, I think, I think Niang was playing in that game, if I remember rightly. It was just nuts. But, well, I I wish you luck. Um, Is it too much to ask for a Ben Arthur winner? Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I can only dream what the celebration would be. I, uh, I reckon. I reckon. You anybody, know what? Um, I reckon. 
Ben, Ar- ben Arthur winner, I reckon he whips out that cake and candle from that Instagram. Oh, you know that whole, this that. whole Rabio thing where the UNFP put out that really kind of weird Viz Daily Mail incel kind of uh, um, statement. And now the LFP have told them, no, you've got to put him back in the um, in the in the first team. It's like, why why did these organisations not come in when the same thing was done to Hatton Ben Arthur last season? Mm, strange that, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost as if you know the tall, gangly, white French uh, guy. Well, I don't, I don't is know. Getting if a don't... bit more. I don't know if Support. with Ben Arthur they didn't explicitly banish him to the reserves. They, they just they just never they kind of did. Well they didn't I mean, officially do it, whereas this Rabio one seems to be there's a bit more oh, you yeah, know, it's all the players that, uh, all the players have come out and said, you know, yeah. you know, the, the ultimately the decision has been made and, that and the, the football the, director is the one who put his foot in it by saying that explicitly, which I suppose means they've got you know, room to actually challenge that, but it does feel like these are two quite similar situations. Because Tiago Silva came out, didn't he, as well? And as the club different. captain, that's quite a big, a big thing to come out and say. You know, it looks like he's gone. But um, mm. well, that that kind of leads us nicely into where I want to finish the pod this week, which is uh, we just have a little transfer tittle tattle because it is that time of the year when things happen. Um, we've obviously mentioned Monaco spending. Um, Van Quer's has been confirmed today. Uh, we mentioned Naldo and Fabregas and um, the right back whose name escapes me from Leo Bello Torre. Um, yes, there's been some I've interesting. I've been away for a week. I'm still jet lagged. I'm good, very good confused signing, I think. by life. Decent yeah. signing that on. There's there's three I want to focus on specifically, and I'll just pick on on you each for one of them. Um, Connor, I'm going to start with you. Dimitri Payet linked with a move to China. Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> he's he's mysteriously, I noticed on their Instagram, and, unless my French is terrible, which is perfectly possible, but I believe he's now got a mysterious injury, which is going to keep him out for a few weeks. Um, yeah. what, hmm. what's, what's the deal? Do you think that is a very conven- convenient injury to get him on a plane to China? Um, I'm not sure. I did see kind of conflicting uh, news on that on Twitter. You know, one source uh, saying it was on and then another one just quoting it and saying, this is an absolute lie. There is nothing happening. So um, it's very much just just chance that the injuries kind of come up. Um, personally, I think, you know, if there's an offer above 20 million for a player of his age, um, you know, his birthday is in a couple of months as well. So, um you know, you've, you've just got to take that offer. <laughs> he's, he's the club captain, but I think anything kind of, you know, 20 million plus, that is an absolute, you know, bargain on, on Marseille's side if they could just reinvest it. Um, I mean, I say reinvest it wisely, but if you're talking about Marseille, you've got no guarantees uh, on that front. But uh, you never know. We, we live in hope. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and Phil, I'm going to give you uh, the last two, I'm afraid, are both PSG-based. Uh, Rich, I'll come to you in a second. Phil, I'm going to give you Adrian Rabiot. Um <laughs> this kind of twofold really there's talk that, that PSG they've, they've missed out on Frankie de Jong who's of course gone to Barcelona um, mm-hmm. sniped and it appears that they are in advanced negotiations with Napoli for Alan the central midfielder um, which if it happens probably I would, I would say it's good business he's a very good player um, but the Rabio situation um, I said the other day rather tongue-in-cheek but maybe I slightly meant it um, a club like Tottenham is his level 
uh, in that he can just quietly drift into um, sort of mid-table mediocrity and have the career his ego seems to dictate is going to have. Basically, I'm quite annoyed with him because I just think that him and his mother are talking about Barcelona this and, you know, Man United that. He's, he's, he, not, he's not helping himself here, is he? No, he isn't. And he won't think that Spurs are his level of team, despite the fact that I agree they probably are, although they might well not need him because they seem reasonably well organised in, in that uh, kind of over the pitch. I, he's, he has shot himself in the foot, but he's done it in such a way that you do kind of end up feeling sorry for him a bit. But do you? It, it, I don't. Is, is this whole Barcelona thing going through? Nobody seems. No. I I mean, Fra- Frankie De Jong is is a very similar player. They've got Kevin Prince Boateng now, albeit on a short term deal. And PSG have now with this Paredes guys coming. Yeah, the Andrew Paredes is, is apparently done. Deal, yeah. is injured. Mm. Um, you got Lastiara kicking around the place. Um, Drax looking to play in that role. Yeah, but Drax is not best in that role. No, so true. it's like. When they play Man U, it's going to be a defence and attack and fuck all in the middle. And I think, Standard. given that Man U are now, you know, actually playing football under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, that's going to be a problem. They're, they're and playing I football. don't think I don't think Rabio coming back would solve that. No, I mean he is not. They're know, playing. Um, they're playing football in. Until they uh, pitch up at the Emirates tomorrow night and we teach them a lesson. But um, yes, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, tongue in cheek. But no, I, I, I personally don't have any sympathy for him at all. I, I really don't. He's a player that has just wound me up so much. And I know a lot of it's coming from his mother. But mm. yeah, I'm just I'm not happy with it. The, the, the other one I wanted to touch on uh, with you, Rich, um, PSG-wise, is obviously, as, as Phil said, the Paredes looks to be, I don't know if it's actually official, but it seems to be very close. And, and as I say, the talk of the Allen deal is, is ongoing as well. It's fair to say they need to balance the books. Um, there's a few players that are on the fringes that they just cannot get rid of. Uh, looking at you, Jose Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of talk today that Christopher Nkunku's agent has been having a little chat with a club close to my heart. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm very excited by this because I absolutely love him. Uh, he's got wonderful hair, but more than that, he's a very, very good little footballer. Um, can play in so many different positions, which if you're an Arsenal fan, you know we could probably do with about six different positions covered at the moment with all the injuries. Is this one you he probably doesn't want to play in multiple positions? No, one of the reasons why he's angling for a move. But this is it. He wants to be. He wants to play. And and believe me, he would get in our midfield uh, comfortably right now. What do you reckon, Rich? Is this is this a a goer? Because um, I think Arsenal fans are just desperate for anything, and I think Cuckoo is just desperate to play. Yeah, well, I think he's reached that point now. It's been sort of probably getting on for three seasons now, where he's been. You know the most bit of bit part um, players really. It's a it's a case of when there's a you know a bit of an injury crisis, he's drafted in. If there's a cup game, maybe he'll be given half an hour or so. And it's that point in his career now where he needs to decide: is that enough for him, or does he actually you know, value his career? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it seems as though his 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 agent has has come out and been pretty vocal, to be perfectly honest, earlier in the week. Saying that, um, you know, he doesn't want to be um, in a in a squad rotation role. That he's open to leaving. 
um, that he needs to take a step forward now. It doesn't seem possible that's with with uh, with PSG because he's playing in so many different positions and such a bit part role um, that that they're open to a loan um, and you know wherever that may be. Um, and there's there's a lot of talk that he's not happy, um, and you can't blame him. You know, whenever he seems to play for PSG. Um, he seems to perform and it seems crazy that they've not allowed him to have more opportunities with the club. So hmm. if a club like Arsenal can get him, um, now the rumours today is that it would be a loan deal with a mandatory purchase option in- included. Um, it would be crazy for a club like Arsenal to turn that down because he is an excellent, uh, an excellent player. Um, and it would be great to see him get more regular football because we know he's a talented player. We just want to see more of him. I would suspect very strongly that PSG would be angling more for a permanent, uh, you know, cash up front deal because, you know, Paredes has come in for like 45 million. Allen, the, the figure's getting up towards 100 million. And it's like, well, where's this money coming from? We were told at the start of the transfer window, they only had a budget of 30 for this window. Mm. So there's, there's sales, I think, to be had at PSG to, to balance those books. And I, I strongly suspect that Unkunku was one of those penciled in to, to, to be on his way. So I think Arsenal would be great, uh, a great move for him. And I think they probably need to act quite quickly because I think there'll be a long list of clubs interested in it. just going to say, if they're going to get it done, I, I wonder about the Emre factor as well, because um, he, he was a player he quite liked and, and did try to use as much as he could in his, in his last season when Neymar wasn't around, basically. Mm. So it's like, right, well, Neymar's up free. Yeah, he I did think in, so. that connection was... Yeah, part of that. He's looking at Tuchel and thinking he's not using him. Yeah, we can go in here. Emery's a manager who is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and the final bit of transfer gossip. Uh, you probably could say it was not gossip, but uh, pray for Yassine Adli <laughs> because um, that, that he was sold apart, wasn't he? Um, obviously, he was subject to uh, equally another bid from Arsenal in pre-season. It all seemed to be done. PSG went, no, 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 stay. We'll play. We'll give you chances, and he's had no chances whatsoever. So, penny for his thoughts, and uh, and you got to wonder about people like Nsoki as well. Going to start. Having a look at things and thinking, actually, maybe I should go and play somewhere. But we shall see. Um, window closes same time as England, I presume, 31st of January. Um, we'll say that. Well, I imagine it does. We'll say that. If we're wrong, then please. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be plenty of food. It's not a problem. Yes. Uh, and of course, tune in on, on deadline day when the Premier League will inevitably gut Liga of every single player possible, as is always <laughs> the case, only to um, sell them on for a loss in a New Year's time. Uh, just, anyway. just, one, just one quick thing. Yes. Just take us back to something that we'd spoken to earlier um, on Monaco. Uh, Jan Pescherel, who is, I believe, an RMC journalist working on the Cote d'Azur, has just tweeted out... Um, it's very likely to see a Monaco return for Leonardo, Leonardo Jardim with negotiations underway, apparently. Wow. I saw that earlier, and That's that strikes me as just ridiculous. They, Bizarre, they isn't can't. it? Like Anyone I said, that, that Serie that. levels of management. Uh, Anyone that had money on him going coming back the same season is going to be a very, very rich <laughs> person on the Monaco team. <laughs> um, and actually, just to wrap things up as well, I noticed another tweet from uh, JJ has tweeted about the um, sporting director of PSG. Enrique apparently is uh, potentially going to be moving on, and uh, one A Wenger is apparently top of the list to replace him. Well, after the trouble 
on the Rabio French mm. employment law front that that guy might have caused with his yeah. last public statements. It's yeah. you know, possibly not. But we've also got the Coupe de France draw for the Widgems, um, mm-hmm. um, which, peering at this, has PSG playing away at National Saint de Villefranche. Yeah. That will be fun. And also, we've got Leon Duchère from National against AS Vitray from National 2. So we are still insured some minnows going forward into the quarterfinals. Yeah. Three potential all league unties, which uh, means more of them will be knocked out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I will put that put that list in the uh, article for the podcast so you can see who's there and we'll wait to see who wins off Amiens or OL this evening and Anton SSG uh, versus Nantes on Sunday. Good stuff and uh, baby Fakir starting for Lyon tonight as well so that'll be worth keeping an eye on. Okay, good stuff. Um, well, uh, that will draw us to a close for another week. And uh, as I say, if you've got any anything you want to uh, chat to us about or tweet us about, please do keep an eye on the Twitter feed and indeed the uh, website for latest articles, previews and all of that good stuff. Plenty more going on as we speak. And uh, yes, we'll be back next week. Um, we're kind of playing it a little bit by ear in terms of what day, as you may have noticed of late, because we've all got we've all got busy lives and, and whatnot going. Going on boilers so. blowing up and stopping working and yes yeah, don't even get me started on boilers but uh yeah we will be back at some point <laughs> next week uh, or at least uh, three or three of the five of us i'm sure will be here so uh, until then uh good luck to uh, all of you uh, all of you for your teams at the weekend and uh, my thanks to connor to phil and to rich thank you all thank you thank you and uh it just leaves remains for me to say the immortal words of enjoy your french football and we'll speak to you next week Okay. Splendid. Great. Thanks, guys. No worries.